Thank you, Anna. You all can grab a seat. Like they said, we are wrapping up um, our Monday uh, series. We've been going through James, and uh, this has been primarily students from the College of Ministry that have been doing this. Many of you are who are in the room, and uh, we've just been walking through what does this letter, what does this book uh, have to say? And we've been taking it verse by verse, section by section, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate to us. God, would you speak to us through these words? And would you encourage us as followers of Jesus? And James, in his letter, uh, just for a, a quick recap, um, is the half-brother of Jesus. And uh, he grew up with Jesus, which is just a really fun and fascinating thing to even just let yourself think about and think through. He grew up with Jesus, watched him grow up. And it says that his family early on in Jesus's ministry uh, was more like resistant to him. And they kind of weren't understanding like what Jesus was doing. They were kind of wanting him to tone it down a little bit. And then you see this switch happens after Jesus. And we're not, I don't know if the Bible records uh, it doesn't really quote exactly that moment for James, but there is a moment where suddenly James says, my half-brother Jesus is actually the son of God. And for that, to just for him to even have that cognitive thought, he was, you know, he was alive and well at one point, just like us, for him to even come to that realization would have been probably him just processing. It would be really fun to go back and ask him, but he came to the realization, my half-brother is the son of God. And everything that he has said is true. And I put my faith in him. And I just love that. And I just even thinking about that, and I have two older brothers, it's just fun to even think about <laughs> if I, we were in those shoes, even that what it would look like. And uh, so much of his inspiration in his letter uh, is really twofold. There's a lot of inspiration from Jesus's sermon on the Mount. And uh, you probably have recognized that. A lot of the teachings that James talks about um, are very more practical. They're straightforward. Uh, and it really represents his reflection and his thinking through Jesus's, his brother's, Sermon on the Mount. So that's the first big influence. So his big influence is the Sermon on the Mount. And then the second one is the Proverbs. You can tell that James has really studied the Proverbs. He's understand what that kind of wisdom literature is all about. And so James comes out of that really with those twofold influences, Sermon on the Mount and the Proverbs. And you get that. And so we're actually gonna wrap up um, this whole series by reading the whole letter again. And we're gonna do that really intentionally because uh, you heard it the very first Monday of the semester and we read it all. And then we've spent the last 15 or so weeks having students from the College of Ministry preaching about it, talking about it. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, has encouraged you and spoke truth to you. And so we're gonna hear it again. And I believe the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you. And I think you have maybe even more insight coming into it because you've been hearing about it. You've been thinking about it. People have been preaching about it. And so we're gonna hear it again. And it's gonna be on the screen behind me so you can follow along there. But again, this is how, when James was writing this to the church in Jerusalem that he was pastoring, this is the mode that they would have received it. It would have been in a setting similar, to, similar likely to this, um, in the sense of James getting up or someone getting up and reading the whole letter to the congregation, to the people there. And so we are gonna be faithful to the following of Jesus and we're gonna read it and let the Holy Spirit speak. And one of the most beautiful things about the Bible is we get to spend our whole life reading it and it's not gonna get old. 
Not that sometimes it's not going to always be the most exciting because we've all been there in moments where you read it and you didn't get a whole lot out of it, but you're going to spend your whole life discovering more and more of who Jesus is, more of who God is, and in 40 years you can come back and read James and you'll hear something different than you heard today. And that's the beauty of the Bible. You'll come back in 60 years and you'll read James again and the Lord will still be speaking to you through it. The Holy Spirit will still be speaking to you through this letter 20 years, 40 years, 60 years. And there's so much power in reading it out loud and declaring the words of God out loud. And so we're gonna do that. And then I'll just honestly just give a few thoughts um, at the end, not many at all, just kind of an encouragement from hearing it all and uh, just going forward. And so I hope you're ready. It won't take super, super long. It'll be most of our time together this morning. And we're just gonna read through it. It's gonna be on the screen behind if you wanna follow um, or if you just wanna listen, you just wanna take in the words, but I encourage you to have your, your ears open, the ears of your heart open. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and encourage you. Uh, maybe parts of this, again, will be what you need to hear today because James is writing to believers and he's wanting, them to, he's wanting to encourage them in following Jesus. He's not as primarily concerned with teaching new things because most of this you've heard. He's writing to people that have heard this before, that understand, but he wants to get them to know how do I actually follow Jesus? And maybe you've asked that question. How do I actually do this? What does this look like day in and day out? What is Jesus asking of me? What is he calling me to do? And James is being very pastoral and he's answering so many of those questions. So we're gonna dive in here into the letter of James. And so again, just encourage you to listen, um, whether that's following on the screen, whether that's just listening, um, however that would be best for you, we'll read through it. And then I'll just give a few thoughts at the end kind of to encourage us and we'll wrap up our time this morning. So we'll jump in. James chapter one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, but let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flowers fall off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. Blessed is the one who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God, since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. 
But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly Receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not only hearers. Be doers of the word and not only hearers, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently, into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, Stand over there or sit here on the floor by my footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, did not God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you have dishonored the poor. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Do not they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? Indeed, if you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you murder, you are a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? 
If a brother or a sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you do not give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, if it does not, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person, you are willing to learn that faith without, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Not many should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is mature, able also to control the whole body. Now, if we, but if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, Though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. The tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. Who among you is wise in understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil 
practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. What is the source of wars and fights among you? Do not they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, do not you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be friend, to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. Or do you think it is without reason that scripture says, the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is a sin to know the good and yet do not do it. Come now, you rich people. Weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasures in the last days. Look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. And the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. 
You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murderous, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your heart because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, this judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we, we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no so that you won't fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then Elijah prayed again and the sky gave rain and the land produced its fruit. My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord, the whole letter of James right there. There is a lot uh, in that short but long five chapters as well in, in James. Uh, we've been walking through that and I know you probably remember different people preaching different parts of that and encouraging you as they broke down different pieces of that. And as again, we read the whole thing to meditate on it, to let the Holy Spirit encourage you and to speak to you. And even before I just give a few thoughts here uh, for just the next few minutes, I just encourage you to reflect and to write down what the Holy Spirit was speaking to you or encouraged you with while you heard the whole letter. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. The Holy Spirit doesn't just speak to anyone who's you know, preaching or preparing a sermon. We believe firmly that the Lord speaks to you and encourages you. And so if there's an element of what you just heard that encourages you, that maybe challenges you, again, James is writing very practically to the church if maybe you're like, okay, God, that was a good reminder. I needed to be remembered about that. You needed to correct me because I haven't maybe been doing that perfectly. 
I encourage you to take the moments today uh, to reflect on that. As the Holy Spirit speaks to you, the Lord is with you. Jesus, pro Jesus promises us, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then he sent his Holy Spirit who is with you always as a believer, as a follower of Jesus. And so as parts of this, if parts of this stuck out to you, I just encourage you today to take a few moments to really reflect on that and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Especially as we wrap up our school year and you all are working very, very hard uh, to finish this semester. I know you have maybe 10 assignments left or less. You got projects, you got some presentations, you got maybe a long paper, a group project, whatever that would be. Um, and you're, you're winding down, you're working very hard uh, and very, very proud of you all. I'm excited for you to just wrap up and finish what has been a great semester. And as you go into your summertime, just asking the Lord, okay, God, what are you wanting to teach me in this season? God, what does it look like to be a follower, to be a daughter, to be a son of the king in this season? Where are you calling me to grow? Where are you highlighting for me an area that I want to mature in, to be mature? And James, in this letter, uh, he says perfect seven times, uh, the perfect law. Uh, and he highlights this throughout the letter. And the idea here of perfectness um, is really this idea of wholeness the perfect law, the whole law. And you, we are called as followers of Jesus, regardless of where we are in that process, in that sanctification of moving towards Jesus, we're called to be whole. And if you think about what sin has done, when, if you think about Genesis and what it looks like, uh, sin has fractured us. There are elements of yourself, if we're truly honest, and we take those moments of self-reflection, or if we let the Holy Spirit speak to us, each one of us can recognize areas in our life where we are not whole, where we are fractured, where parts of us, we don't really like elements of who we are, of things that we do, and we are fractured. And James is writing this to believers, encouraging us, imploring us to be whole, the perfect law, not this, I have to do everything perfect. That's not what he's getting at, but he's encouraging us to be whole. And that's only available through Jesus. And he highlights a lot of this idea of wisdom and endurance and trials. And true wisdom is believing that God is good despite my circumstances. And he really wants to hammer this, especially in the beginning. In chapter one, he gives this overview and we're walking through, he's highlighting and bringing up because the church at that time is going through various trials and persecutions. And he says, ask for wisdom. And true wisdom is believing that God, you are good despite my circumstances. God, despite my family circumstances. God, despite my own personal sin that has brought on hardship in my life. God, despite external things, you are good. And again, James is not trying to teach anything new. He's trying to get us to believe what Jesus has to say, what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, what the Proverbs are teaching us as wisdom literature. And he's saying, I want to teach you and remind you and encourage you to walk in these things. And all throughout this whole letter that we just read, 
James is really straightforward. And so I'm just gonna read a couple of them again and I encourage you, think through, God, which ones are you needing me to hear today? God, which ones of these am I needed to be reminded of? He says, consider it pure joy when you go through trials because trials produce perseverance and perseverance produces maturity. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. He says, true religion is to look after the orphans and the widows. He says, do not show favoritism. He says, faith without works is dead. He says, the tongue has the power of life in death. He encourages us to submit ourselves to God. He says, our approach to our future should be, God, if you will, if it's your will, I'll do this or I'll do that. He says, be patient for the Lord is coming. He says, do not swear by an oath. Simply let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. He says, if you are in trouble, pray. He says, if you are happy, and here happy isn't as much a, uh, an external thing. This might be closer to joy. Um, it's not external the way it's writing here in the, in the original language. It's not uh, connotating external circumstances, but internal. If you have a joy in you, that's not based on circumstances because of Jesus, sing songs of praise. The Bible says, sing songs of praise if you are happy. It says, if you are sick, go to the elders of your church and have them pray over you and anointing you with oil. It says, for prayer offered in faith is powerful. The prayer of a righteous person, later on in that verse, says it's powerful and effective. When we are aligned with God's will, when we are wanting what God's will is, it's powerful. It says, confess our sins to one another and we will find healing. Quick note on confession. Um, often confession is not something that's super, super talked about. We're, we try to intentionally talk about it more um, here in this context. Uh, confession to the Lord uh, brings forgiveness. The Lord is the only one that can forgive sins. Jesus claimed to forgive sins, which is why he was, you know, most one of the prominent reasons why he was crucified. Only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus was claiming to be God by forgiving sins. And so when we confess our sins to God, because of Jesus and the blood of Jesus, we can be confident that we are forgiven. And this is one of the only times in scripture that we're commanded to confess to other people. And this is what's really interesting about this and what James is highlighting here is there is an element of confessing to a brother or a sister that brings healing. You're not confessing to be forgiven. You don't confess to a brother or to a sister to be forgiven by them. That is only what God can do. God is the one who forgives us. But have you ever noticed that even after we confess, sometimes the sin lingers? That even after we know we are forgiven, uh, we don't immediately always, our actions don't align with that forgiveness, that we're not immediately walking in that new life. Uh, and there's an element of confessing to somebody else that brings healing. 
There's an element of bringing people into what you are walking through, to the sin that has happened in your life, to the freedom. He says a lot about the law of freedom in here. Um, that's what Jesus brought. Um, and that's the new law that we walk into as followers of Jesus. He says, because of the law of freedom, you are forgiven, but there's an element at only of healing that can come through confessing to somebody else, a trusted person that you can confide with and you will realize that the enemy is gonna do everything to tell you not to confess to somebody. You've probably experienced that in your life. The enemy is gonna whisper every reason that you shouldn't tell someone of a mistake, of a sin, uh, of all the reasons they're gonna look down on you or you're not gonna be approved and they are all lies because the enemy comes to kill and to lie and to destroy because the reality is when you confess to somebody, there is healing, there is life, there is joy, there is weights that are lifted off of you. And so I encourage you to confess to somebody else. And James says here, confessing to one another brings healing. And I love how he ends the very end of this because again, he's very practical, he's pastoral, he's wanting them to know the truth. And he says, when we bring those back who are wandering from faith, so he's not just talking about those who don't know Jesus yet, though he is talking, that is included in it, but he's also just talking about those who have wandered, those who have believed in Jesus, those who know him. When we bring them back safe, when we bring them back and they're no longer on their way to death, which is eternal separation from God, they are restored to Jesus and our sins are covered and forgiven by God. And his encouragement is really that as we reflect on James and reflect on what your life looks like. Are we doing it well? It's not supposed to stay with you. It must turn outward. As you think, God, how am I doing? How am I following Jesus well? And you let the, the letter, the Holy Spirit encourage you. There's gonna be an element of internal work, but James says it doesn't stay there. It's not staying just with you. It's not just in here. I'm not, it's not only so you can be right with God. It's so we can be a community who is right with God. We can, when you see people wandering lovingly, bring them back in because you are restoring them to life. On the path to death and you restore them to life. And I just love how James ends with that outward focus. He's, he's so, he's examining us all throughout. He's wanting you to self-examine all throughout hearing this entire letter. And then he ends with says, but don't keep it at yourself. When other people are wandering, bring them back in because God wants to use you to bring people back in. And so my question as we just wrap up here is how are, how are you doing? You've heard James say a lot of things about how to follow Jesus in your everyday life. How are you doing? One of my favorite questions to ask is how is your secret time with the Lord? Is that even beginning to develop? We're all at different stages or seasons in faith and that has nothing to do with better or worse than. But even Paul in Philippians says, it is better to know God than anything else. It's a very kind way of saying it compared to what he said. How is your time with the Lord? How are you doing in this and I want to encourage you that following Jesus, learning to put this into practice, to not just be hearers, but doers, is not a sprint. 
It is a marathon. And too often, we get caught up in looking at other people's progress. We get caught up looking at our own progress. And we think it's a sprint that the finish line is a hundred yard dash away. And you have to get there as soon as possible. But friends, Jesus really doesn't work very fast. Especially when it comes to your own and my own internal life. Uh, his speed is much more the tortoise, not the hare. Again, that's a generalization, not to put God in a box, because God can work fast when, when he wants to. But understanding sanctification in our life, it is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And understanding and taking the time to be self-aware and saying, God, where am I? How am I doing? Not for condemnation, not for shame, but because I want to know you, I want to follow you, and I want other people to know you and other people to follow you. And again, this is all possible because of Jesus. We just celebrated Easter. And Jesus made a way. The good news is that there is reconciliation. God restored all things back to himself, and that includes us. And so, I just encourage you to reflect on that. And James is writing and encouraging us. There is hope, there is freedom, there is restoration found through Jesus. And then he's encouraging us, how are we doing in that process? And I hope you're doing well. I know there is hope. I know no matter how far or off you may think you're doing, God says, I'm right there behind you. If there's any step of turning back to him, man, God's right there. God wants to walk with you. God wants to encourage you. God wants to believe in you. He does believe in you. And if you're doing well, James says, then sing, then praise. You're doing full of joy. And so I hope the letter of James has encouraged you this semester as we've walked through it on Mondays. I hope it's been really fun to watch your peers preach it and have been able to come out and to support your friends all semester. Uh, we really believe in students from the College of Ministry coming up and preaching as they prepare for their own careers down the road doing ministry the call of God on their life and so I hope you've enjoyed Mondays uh, I have it's been awesome to gather on Mondays this is our last one now we've got two more chapels so I encourage you uh, to come and or if you need that spiritual life credit also be there as well um, but it is great to gather with you on a Monday would you just mind praying with me as we wrap up our time this morning uh, Jesus we just thank you for your word we thank you for the letter of James uh, that has spoken to us, that has encouraged us. God, every Monday as we have postured our heart, God, on you, as we have read different liturgies, God, as we have gathered together as the body, um, your body, with you being the head, Jesus. God, thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for opening up our eyes to understand the scriptures, God, how it's been pointing to you. And God, we want to be faithful, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to follow you, to do what you are calling us God, we do not want to be just hearers, but God, we want to be doers of the word. And so would you empower us today, Holy Spirit, to do that well. Again, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you made a way, Jesus, when there was no way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Thank you all.